Well, it has been quite a week. By now you know that earlier this week, uh, the COVID virus 19 was declared a pandemic and we have already started to see the impact of that around the world. We have seen that in some places in the world, there have been large numbers of people infected and loss of life. We have seen the impact that it is having on uh, healthcare systems uh, and professionals who are trying to test and treat uh, and even look for a cure already. We have seen some nations go basically into lockdown. We have seen uh, travel bans and restrictions in all kinds of places in the world as people start to try and get a handle around how to stop the spread of this virus, not only from person to person, but from people groups to people groups and places geographically to other places uh, geographically. And at the time that we're recording this message here in Hamilton, uh, we have seen relatively few confirmed cases in our area of people actually being infected, but we are already seeing the impact, not only as we look globally and we see a huge impact in some places in the world, uh, but it's also starting uh, to make an impact on our lives. And we're seeing how people are starting to respond to those challenges. There's a whole range of responses that we have as we feel the different impacts. Naturally, when we see something like this happening and we start to feel the threat that it has on us in a number of different areas of our lives, we start to get worried. We start to be concerned, some of us anxious and even maybe panicky as we start to think about what could happen, what might happen, and how we can be prepared for it. So this week, even here at a place where there's relatively low risk compared to a lot of places and not a lot of confirmed infections at this point, you've already seen an impact on that. Simple things like if you were in the grocery store and you were looking for toilet paper or hand sanitizer, you likely found bare shelves and long lineups, people trying to stock up and be prepared and get ready. If you've watched the media and news on uh, any outlet in any different form, uh, you've likely seen how fast this has picked up momentum, how fast the situation has changed and continues to change. You've seen the impact globally, but then we've also start to felt it locally. Again, looking at the concerns that we have, not only of the individual health of different people, but also um, the stress that uh, something like this, a situation like this puts on our healthcare systems and wondering how it's going to look in the next days and weeks or even months. If you had money in the stock markets this week, uh, you have a lot less money in the stock market as uh, there was a huge economic impact to some of the announcements and outbreaks uh, and the impact on travel and tourism and business of all different kinds. Some of us have already started to feel or are starting to feel anxiety around how this is going to affect our jobs and how many hours we might be able to work or whether we can go into our workplace or whether uh, our place of business can continue as it is. If you're a small business owner, you're probably now thinking, how many things are we going to have to cancel or rearrange? Uh, What of my business and income do I need to start planning that will be lost 
For many of us, if you're uh, in school uh, on any level, you're now dealing with the fact that uh, classes have been canceled right from elementary school uh, through to post-secondary institutions. McMaster University announcing recently uh, that they have canceled in-person classes. And so, so many of us now are trying to figure out, are there things that we can do online? Are there things that we're postponing? Are there things that we're canceling? And what kind of difference is that going to make in our lives? Virtually all gatherings of large people have ceased, whether that's uh, sporting events, uh, entertainment, uh, even for us uh, today, we are meeting together online. We are not meeting together in person because we are looking uh, to the health and the safety of our people. And as so many people are trying to flatten the curve, trying to avoid uh, continuing to spread this so that we can slow it down, hopefully at some point stop it. But we also know that in the midst of all this and, and, and with the natural rise of worry and concern and anxiety over what could happen, we're seeing that there is going to be a big impact. And we have the decisions to make about how we're going to respond. And today I want to talk about how we can respond in such a climate of uncertainty we don't know what this is going to look like, even in a couple days or weeks or months. Um, and we know there are serious challenges. We don't want to ignore them. We don't want to be naive about them. But today, I also want to encourage us not to panic. And I want to share with you what I believe are actually great reasons for us to have incredible hope. And I want to present to you an amazing opportunity that we have at this point when the world is looking for an opportunity, looking for uh, uh, how to respond and what to do in times of this kind of crisis. And here's what I believe, why that we can, we can have great hope and what the foundation will be for us to seize on a great opportunity and to actually see God do some incredible things in our community and in the world. And it's two foundational beliefs that I have that I think we can stand on and live out of. And they are this, that God is with us, and that God is for us. And now, this has been true each and every day of our lives and every day of human history. But now, today, in the midst of the challenges that we face, I believe it is just as true as it ever has been. There's a wonderful psalm um, that talks about this kind of thing, that talks about what happens and how do we deal with the world and our lives when things aren't going right. And not just when small things aren't going right, but when we see catastrophic things happening in the world around us, how should we look at that and how should we respond to it? And so Psalm chapter 46 says this in the first verse, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Literally that second line says that he is present, our help, who we always find in time of trouble, trouble or distress or anxiety. The one that can always be found when things aren't going well. And I love that because I believe that God can always be found and that the key to life is to acknowledging and living in God's presence But I also believe that it's times of anxiety and trouble, times where we're seriously challenged or worried. It's when we start to become more aware of our need for the presence of God. It's when we start looking more. And this psalm starts by saying, when we start to look in times of trouble and anxiety, that is when God is always found. He's always present. And this entire psalm revolves around that idea that God is with us. 
If we skip down to verse 7, and actually in this psalm, verses 7 and 11 repeat each other. The psalmist writes, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says the Lord Almighty, which literally translated would be uh, Yahweh of hosts. Yahweh being God's personal name. uh, The name that we would distinguish him from uh, maybe some other versions of God. Comes from a Hebrew word to be. And it's all about being. The God who really is he is the God of hosts. It speaks uh, that terminology of God as a general over uh, armies of angels. This idea that he is so powerful. This idea that, that, that he can wage war. But the way that he wages war is not the way that we do. It's not the idea of actual soldiers physically fighting against other people. But instead that he is a general over a heavenly army. That he is working and fighting spiritually against the challenges and obstacles and threats that come against the people that he loves. And so he is powerful. He is Yahweh of hosts. He is the commander of God's armies, a spiritual angelic force that wants to do good in the world and be working on behalf of his people. In the second line of that verse, it says, this is the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, this is a poem that comes from us from the ancient Israelites. Jacob is one of their forefathers, their ancestral fathers. And so when they go and and, and they refer to God, their God is the God of Jacob, it is a reminder that this is not a God that has just come on the scene. This is a God who has been with them and been with their people for generations and generations. And more than that, he is the God who doesn't just have a casual relationship with them. He is a God who has a covenant relationship with them. That means that God has made promises to be with his people, that God will always show up. And that's what God is like. He promises that he will be with us, that we can count on him, that these people who are living generations and generations after their ancestor, Jacob, still refer to him as the God of Jacob, saying that this is the God who has been with our people all along. He is always with us. He continues to be with us. We can count on him because he's made a covenant, a relationship that is promised to us. And we can count on that even when things get difficult, when things are hard. Because we have the history of it. We can look at what our ancestors went through. We can acknowledge times in our histories where they went through struggles. And now, in hindsight, we can look back and be reminded God showed up at that time. God worked for his people in the midst of those challenges. And therefore, we can have confidence that he's going to do it again. God is with us. God is always with us, but we have an opportunity when all of a sudden we feel our great needs to acknowledge him and in a very real way experience his presence with us. Second thing is that God is for us. If we go back to verse one, uh, literally in the Hebrew that this is written in, it says that God for us is our refuge and strength. God is with us and God is for us. And I think this happens in three ways that we can see in this psalm that are really, really practical. How is it that God is for us? From verse 1, we see that God is for us as our refuge. So first, God is our peace. God is our safety. God is our asylum. The one that we can trust when the world seems like it's going crazy. When it seems so natural for us to panic. When we're worried or anxious, we can find peace because God is our refuge. He is our safe place. He's the one who provides for us. 
And today it might be a great reminder in the midst of some uncertainty that it is God who provides for our health. It's God who provides for us financially. It's God who provides for us relationally. We can trust in him and we can rest. And at a time where there's so much worry, we can actually have peace because the God who is always with us is with us now. And the God who is with us is for us. He is our refuge. We can run to him and find safety. Second, God is our power. It says there that God for us, God is for us, and he is our strength. He is the one who encourages us. He is the one who animates us. He's the one who gives us energy when we need it. He's the one who helps us to keep going when there is struggle. He's the one who encourages us when we're discouraged, when we don't know where to go or what to do. He helps us to continue to move forward in his power. And then third, this comes from verse 7 that we read a minute ago. God is our protect, protection. God is for us and he is our fortress. That is, he makes us strong. He, encourage, uh, he, he, he is like a wall around us that keeps threats out. We know the Israelites would have thought of this in terms of probably their great city, Jerusalem, that was a fortress. Think of a palace or an entire town or a city like Jerusalem with walls around it so that when enemies come and threats come, there's protection that they can't get to you, that our ultimate protection comes from God. He is our fortress and we can have confidence in that. So God is with us and God is for us. How do we know that? Because God is our peace, he is our power, and he is our protection. Now let's go to verse 2 and let's compare some of the approaches that we might have when it comes to catastrophic events, when it comes to things that we really worry about and that we probably should be concerned about. I love this in verse 2 because there's no idea uh, where the psalmist says, uh, God is so strong. He's this great refuge and your strength and he's your fortress. So don't even, don't, don't even think about it. Just ignore all the problems. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even go close to that. Look what he writes instead. He takes what we just talked about and he says, therefore, we will not fear, even though it's so natural for us to be afraid. Even right now, there are so many things. We don't want to be naive about them. There are real risks. There are real problems that we have to deal with. There's real negative impact that has already hit the world around us and for us, even locally. But therefore, since God is our peace and power and protection, we will not fear. We will not live out of fear. And then listen to how he describes what's going on around him. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, this isn't denial. He actually lists the things that, he, you know, we should be most, uh, we should have most confidence in. Look at this, the things that are the strongest. The earth itself, though the earth itself, where I'm standing, though it gives way. Or how about mountains, these strong, huge pictures of, of power and strength, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Could you amount, um, just imagine watching a mountain fall into the sea? Or though the waters roar and foam, picture the, the chaos of, of an ocean that's just stirred up and the waves get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more threatening. Though we're in the midst of that kind of threat, 
though the things that should be most foundationally secure are all falling apart around us, we will not live in fear. Today, if we were writing this poem and we were being more specific, we might say, though there's been a pandemic that has been declared, though the stock markets have crashed, though there's a a threat to our economy, though there's an international health concern, though there's so much uncertainty in our world, we will not live in fear because we have a greater sense of security. There is something, someone greater that we can trust in, that we can put our trust in, that we can build our lives in, even in the most secure things we can think of in our world and in our lives. And so we are not denying the challenges. We're not denying uh, some of the catastrophe that has happened. We're not denying the, the potential challenges that may come. We're saying that in the midst of those, we are looking to someone who is even stronger, even greater. He's our refuge and our strength. He is our fortress. He's the God of Jacob, the God who has always been around. He is the God who is with us and promises to be with us. And he is the God who is for us, who is working on our behalf. And what helps us to not live in fear or to react in in panic or to go too far the other way and to say, let's just ignore the risks and and forget all about it and uh, bury our heads in the sand is to have trust that our lives are based, founded, and secure in the God who is with us and the God who is for us. Look at then in verse 4 how the psalmist then starts to describe the experience of the presence of God. Remember, that's what this whole psalm is about, is that God is with us and for us. And so as he's described how unnerving it could be to see the most secure things in our world fall apart, he then flips it and describes what it's like to live in God's presence. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, again, where God's presence is. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the the earth melts. There, There is a place where there's this river And again, he's probably talking about the the promised land um, and and Jerusalem and where God has has brought them to. Maybe even there's echoes here of the Garden of Eden when God uh, created everything and everything was still in harmony and there there, there was no threats against them. But that's what it's like to live in God's presence is that we see that he is the river of water that gives us life, that gives us everything that we need. That there's peace and there's rest that we've already talked about. That where God is, there's not failure. And that God will help at the break of day. That right from the beginning of every morning, God is there. And then it says, again, acknowledging nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. Everything could be in chaos. But when God lifts his voice, the earth melts. That whatever whatever tragedy is happening in the world, what God can do with a word is even more powerful. That's why we trust him. Because as bad as things might seem and as bad as things might get, God can always bring beauty out of chaos, bring order back into our world and back into our lives. In verse 8, there's a bit of a switch um, that looks back and then looks forward. The psalmist says, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. 
and that doesn't sound so good, is God bringing the desolation? Is this a, a judgment of God? But what we actually see in the next couple of verses is that God brings desolation upon desolation, that God is actually bringing order to chaos. It says in verse 9, he makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He brings peace. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He takes the implements of war and he destroys them because there will be no more war. This is so hopeful. This is the psalmist saying the things that are raging in our world, God is going to bring to peace. God is going to settle down. And then he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, one of the things that's really uh, impacted me this week is just seeing how fast everything seems to be going, how fast the situation seems to be changing. If you've been watching through the media, you can see how fast uh, the announcements go from one to another, that from day to day, things seem to be completely different, that at the beginning of the week, we weren't expecting to be where we are here at the end of the week uh, with gatherings of people being canceled all over the place, that on some days it seems to be hour by hour or minute by minute things are going fast. And not only announcements, not only uh, the progression of the situation is going fast, but I feel like uh, the, the inward disposition of so many of us is speeding up, that our anxiety is speeding up, that, that we're getting more and more worried, that maybe even some of us moving towards panic. Again, whether you're in the grocery store or at the gas station uh, or, or even at home with your family, that there is this tendency for us to speed up, to speed up, to speed up, What do we need to do? How do we need to respond? What's going to go on? What's our reaction going to be? And I love, as we get towards the end of this psalm, that God says in the midst of a chaotic situation, in the midst of so many challenges, be still. And know that I am God. That a virus does not control the universe. That a political entity doesn't control the universe. That the economy doesn't control the universe. Be still. Be quiet. Slow down. Stop. And know that I am God. Your refuge. Your strength. Your fortress. Be still and know that I'm with you that I'm for you, that I love you, and that I will show up. Part of the point of this psalm as we read through the descriptions, uh, you know, where we see, well, well, if the earth gives way and the mountains thrown into the sea and the waters are stirred up and, and all this chaos happening, this is the time for the Israelites where they would start to look for the presence of God. Where is God going to show up? H- how do we know that he still loves us and he's still with us and for us? That's why this was written. And again, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but this is for us too. We are always dependent on the presence of God, but when uh, risks come and when catastrophic events hit the world, it is a time where we have this heightened um, awareness that we need God's presence and how we know God's presence and experience it. In the midst of everything speeding up, be still and hear from God that he's with us and for us, that he loves us, that he will show up in our time of need. He always does that. He is the God of Jacob. It's the covenant, God. 
and a God who has promised not only to be with the Jewish people, as we read about in this psalm, but a God who has given the world the new covenant to say that he will be with us. He will pour out his spirit on us. He will forgive us and restore us and that he will walk through us through whatever we go through in the world. And so when Jesus was born, they declared that this was Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. God is with us in Jesus. This beautiful proclamation for the world today in the midst of everything that's happening in the world, that God is with us, Emmanuel. So how do we respond? What should we do at this time? And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what should our response be? Uh, What should we be planning around, uh, even as we have uncertainty over what this is going to look like over the coming days and weeks? I think there's a a wonderful verse that's so instructive in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. That even though we should acknowledge there are things that we can be afraid of, there are serious threats, we do not live out of fear. Instead, God has given us a spirit of love and we can be as Jesus is in the world to embrace sacrificial love, to embrace loving our neighbor's and those around us in the best ways that we can. Here's what I think, and this is, I think, where we have a great opportunity as followers of Jesus. I think in this time, there are going to be many people who are looking around for how to respond. And I think there are going to be people who are asking questions at this time. What does it look like to believe in a God? Is God relevant? Does God exist? Is God with us in this world? Does God love us in the world? And if we are the kind of people who are willing to stake our lives on the fact that God is with us and God is for us, we now have an opportunity to share that message, not only to live in it ourselves, which we should, but then to share it with the world around us. Because I think the best apologetic to the world that God is with them and for them is for a community of people to be with them and for them. For community of followers of Jesus to rise up and say, we have an opportunity to show God's presence by loving the people around us, to show people around us that God is for them by being for them, by not just looking to our own needs, not just hoarding for ourselves to make sure we have enough, but by sharing with people around us and making sure that everybody has enough. We have an opportunity to Look around for people uh, who might have all sorts of a huge range of different needs. Maybe to, to love very practically people who are vulnerable because their immune systems are compromised. To reach out to them and make sure that they have everything that they need. For people who maybe uh, are, need to be very cautious and not even go out to a grocery store to make sure maybe that they're delivered food or basic necessities around their house so that they don't have to go out and take the risk but can still be cared for to reach out to those who might feel very isolated. Many of us are practicing, and even the fact that we're meeting online today uh, as a church instead of in person, we're practicing social distancing to not be in groups of people and close to each other where we can transmit viruses uh, more easily, but instead socially distancing ourselves. But there are going to be groups of people who that becomes very isolating for. People who become very, uh, very lonely. People who need a phone call. Or if it's possible and if it's wise, maybe a visit. Again, people who are vulnerable that need to be checked in on to make sure that they have enough. This is an opportunity that we have to show people a sacrificial love that says we're not only looking to our own interests, but to the interests of people around us. 
It might be uh, single parents or, or maybe uh, families where both parents work and all of a sudden they're trying to figure out how to take care of their kids for three weeks while they still try and make ends meet by going to work. It might be finding people who have lost hours or who their business uh, is really going to suffer at this time and making sure uh, that we're sharing with them or that we're, we're providing for them, uh, asking them what their needs are. But we have a great opportunity to show people that God is with them and for them by being with them and for them. And so what would it look like for us to start dreaming and imagining and brainstorming how we could love the community around us or city around us? It might be checking in with different charities or nonprofits and asking how they're being affected by all the things that are going on and considering ways to help by volunteering or pitching in in different ways. But this I know. God has sent us Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. And in light of that, the message that comes so clearly from God through Jesus is that not only is he with us, he is for us. And so the Apostle Paul, he wrote this in Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, uh, or any other powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That the love of God through Jesus Christ cannot be thwarted, cannot be stopped, we might again rewrite that and add a few things nor pandemic nor health crisis nor economic crash nor financial challenge nor school delay or cancellation but there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God and so today may you know in very real ways the presence of God and may you find ways to share his presence with the people around you, because God is with us and God is for us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, uh, today uh, our world is filled with challenges and we hear about it over and over and over. God, we want to lift up those who are ill, those who have lost loved ones. We pray that your comfort would be invading this world in incredible ways. God, we pray for... um, catastrophic impact that has been felt in different parts of the world, in healthcare systems, in entire nations and their economies and how they operate. God, would you begin to heal people, not only physically, but also emotionally and financially? God, we think of our own part of the world here in Hamilton. And as we continue to try and figure out what the impact will be here, those things that have been felt and that which has not yet been felt, God, would you help us to be a people who do not live in fear, but live in love, knowing that you're with us and for us. Help us to know it deep within our souls and to be able to share it with the people around us. And we pray that you would use this as an opportunity to reveal yourself to people, even in a, a, a dark situation in the world. God, would you shine bright and would your love be made known to this world in Jesus Christ. Amen.